The early year gaming drought is officially over. Although gaming news and announcements have been relatively quieter, we are now getting into a period of frequent gaming releases. And on last week's episode, we had two reviews that featured Monster Train along with Fights in Tight Spaces. And this week, we have two more. The two games this week are the very opposite ends of the spectrum, with It Takes Two from EA and Hazelight, and then the other game is the politically charged RPG Disco Elysium The Final Cut, this week on the Video Games Podcast. The latest game from writer-director Joseph Ferris and the rest of the team at Hazelight takes on co-op once again, but this time, what looks to be light-hearted may be dealing with something heavier beneath, and if the pitch of this game being the first ever rom-com video game is accurate, then the question is, is It Takes Two Rotten, or is it certified fresh? And for full transparency, review code was provided by EA. In the first 48 minutes of a game, you should be able to know enough about the visuals, the story, the mechanics, the gameplay loop, and many other things. And even better, within the first 48 hours, you will know if the game has done enough to get you addicted and whether or not you are going to come back. Because we both know that if we don't return or don't want to return to the game within the first two days, we likely aren't coming back after that. The latest from Hazelight and EA Originals is quite the adorable game, and despite the heavy-handed topics early on, once you're past the first five minutes, the tone drastically changes and the fun gets unleashed. There's something about seeing everyday items on a much bigger scale because in the first 48 minutes, I can't count how many times we said the word cute at least once the first five minutes had passed. You play as a middle-aged married couple and by the power of their daughter's tears, the parents' souls are transported into the bodies of her small stuffed animals that she's made in the image of her parents. And my only gripe with the whole scenario is that I wish Hazelight found a better mechanism for getting their parents into the dolls. Despite the dark tone early on, the happiness and fun factor are on a constant trajectory upwards early on, and you can easily see the change in tone with the couple working together, having less resentment towards each other, and likely getting back to the people that they were when they first met. My concern moving farther into the game is that Joseph Ferris and his games do have a pattern. We can clearly see his love for farms, we can see his fascination with people that need redemption or second chances, but we have also seen his choice not to use happy endings. In a way out, spoiler alert for a three-year-old game incoming, only one of the characters lives at the end depending on who gets the gun. And it doesn't end there. The prologue dives into the ramifications each death has with the people around, and it's hard to see families left without their father or their husband. In Brothers from 2013, spoiler alert for a eight-year-old game incoming, one of the brothers dies at the end. Joseph Ferris has shown that life isn't always happy endings, and this is reflected in his artistic choices. Despite how easy it seems for the couple to rekindle their love by fighting an old vacuum, battling a rusty toolbox, and talking to a weird book to reignite the love, I have my reservations that the rug will be pulled out at the end. Although, maybe after two darker endings, Joseph Ferris is interested in challenging himself with a different ending, but it's easily feasible to see a darker ending for It Takes Two. 
Joseph Ferris must have something deep-rooted with rural farm life because we begin the story of It Takes Two at a house in the country similar to how A Way Out spent a lot of time in the country and around farms. And diving into the psychological aspect of farms, the country life is all about hard work and being as productive as you can so that your crops can grow and in turn, you can see growth yourself. And when looking at it this way... I don't think it's by coincidence that the last two games from Hazelight feature a heavy dose of farms being used in the metaphorical nature as the characters are in need of desperate growth and redemption. Although released on the previous generations of consoles, It Takes Two does feel like a PS5 Xbox Series X as exclusive due to its fantastic visuals, which are running at 4K60, and this feels even more impressive when you consider the split-screen nature of the game. One missed opportunity, specifically for the PS5, is that the game doesn't take advantage of the DualSense at the moment. It might get patched in, but using the haptic feedback and the adaptive triggers would have taken the Honey I Shrunk the Kids immersion to an even greater level. Co-op games could easily cause divides in friendship and relationships. Games like Overcooked come to mind that require all members of the team to pull their weight evenly even when many players aren't at the same skill level. It Takes Two is very smart about how it manages the skills of co-op with death not being much of a penalty, although boss fights can be a bit more challenging. During the normal game, you will instantly pop back into the game as you die at the last checkpoint you passed and this game has very friendly checkpoints, and during boss fights, if you happen to die, you will need to hit a button rapidly or else the other person will need to stay alive for a few seconds alone until you respawn. The boss fights are challenging, and being able to maintain composure during these times with someone who might be less experienced in gaming is likely what It Takes Two is trying to accomplish. These choices keep the game from pitting the two players against each other and pointing fingers and instead it keeps the focus on the extremely clever level design and allows you to experiment while figuring out how to solve certain puzzles and keeps the fun going at a very high level. It Takes Two feels very tight, responsive and is never asking the player to do more than necessary. Sure. There are elements and sections during the game where stringing together multiple button presses will be the only way to progress, but they are right at the edge of what the genre can comfortably ask the player without pushing farther into hardcore platforming territory. Hazelight finds the line that keeps the player constantly challenged but never frustrated that something might be out of reach. It understands that It Takes Two is more about the destination than the journey. It Takes Two doesn't support matchmaking as Hazelight understands that to truly have a good time with this game, you need to play with someone that you know and be able to communicate well. You can either do that with someone very close to you via local couch co-op, which is a form of gaming that is always welcome, especially how Hazelight has shown their excellence in the field, but you can also play online with a friend using the friend pass, meaning that only one person needs to purchase the game. About the only thing that we both don't like about the game at this point is Dr. Hakim, who is the book of love, and during the early times in the game, it felt like the character overstayed his welcome and is universally annoying, but maybe this is all part of the design for the couple to find common ground. Near the end of the first 48, there was one area that actually does turn the tables of the game and creates friendly competition between players with their minigames. The first minigame is the equivalent of whack-a-mole, where one player pops up while the other player tries to use the hammer. And not only was this part of the game a welcome break from solving puzzles and fighting bosses, 
but the friendly competition lightened the tone in the game and in the real world. Around every corner of It Takes Two is either something completely new that keeps the game feeling very fresh or something very clever. We were either saying how cute or how clever constantly during the game. It Takes Two seems to be another example of how Hazelight is one of the few remaining bastions of excellent co-op experiences. After the first 48 minutes, we can't wait to play more. Switching gears now to a slightly darker tone... In my first 48 minutes with Disco Elysium, the final cut, scratch that, in my first five minutes, my PS5 crashed, which hasn't happened to me before, and then the game froze after I decided my character's archetype. I opted for a high psyche, high intellect, with a low physique build, which means that I would not be forcing my way into areas that were off-limits to me, or muscling my way through any quests. Finally, I had reselected my archetype, and I was ready to start my journey, Nothing could stop me now, and I was ready to unfold the mystery at hand. However, I died of a heart attack after looking around the unfamiliar room that I awoke in and tried to turn on the fanlight, in hopes that it would reveal my second missing shoe. Disco Elysium doesn't invite you in, and this, shall we say, less than smooth start, could have easily been a disaster with a lesser game. I would have likely walked away, yet to speak of the intriguing nature of Disco Elysium and the immediate mystique, I came back and have been thoroughly enjoying my time since. There are strings that are begging to be pulled at, and with the first five minutes out of the way, let's explore the rest of the review. I should start by prefacing this review by stating that I have never been the biggest fan of role-playing games. Typically, most RPG settings feel a little too fantastical for me to immerse myself in. There have still been many RPGs that I enjoy, plus I thoroughly enjoy how many RPG elements have been blending into many other genres over the past decade. What seems to make Disco Elysium special is how it instantly hooks you in. Unanswered questions are everywhere, you wake up face down on your hotel room floor with only your underwear on, and the room looking rockstar trashed. You learn fast enough after discussion with your own subconsciousness that you are a late stage alcoholic and the likely answer as to why you're amnesiac. You don't know who you are or where you live or why you are where you are, but it is clear that you have hit rock bottom and maybe solving this case can give you the redemption and answers you desperately need. There are very few games that seem initially as intimidating as Disco Elysium. Between being naked on the floor as you start, the novel amount of words on the screen almost always, and the politically charged murder mystery you need to solve. However, the deeper you dig, the more you are rewarded. The main catalyst for making the final cut is adding in voice for all the dialogue which the game lacked initially. The voice acting does lend weight to heavy lines and helps words on pages become unforgettable characters. I can't imagine playing Disco Elysium without the voice acting giving these characters personality. After drinking yourself into amnesiac darkness, you are trying to piece the puzzle back together like Guy Pearce and Memento, only instead of being covered in tattoos that will help you fill in the missing pieces, you're trying to solve the case of a murder, figure out who you are, what happened to your life, and find enough money to pay your hotel tab, or you won't have a place to sleep come nightfall. Your tattoos are talking to the people around Revachal. You start exploring the city of Revachal, talking to everyone you can with the help of another detective from a different precinct, Kim Kitsuragi. Similar to Memento, you can't trust anyone when you can't even trust yourself. And Revachal does come to life thanks to a very distinct watercolor look and a phenomenal soundtrack thanks to the help of English alternative band British Sea Power, which did win the BAFTA for Best Soundtrack just recently. 
As intriguing as all of these mysteries are, Disco Elysium on PS5 is not without its blemishes and it has a bunch. As mentioned at the very start, the game did crash a few times, but it did seem to run stable after that. Another thing though is that the studio has been very vocal of how many lines of dialogue were voiced to give the game a fully voiced script. However, there are multiple times when some parts of the dialogue tree with a character are completely silent and the voice just doesn't work, which causes you to have to read. And this wouldn't be a large problem, but the font on the screen is already quite small, even when set to its biggest size. But when the fully voiced game is all the hype, it can be a little underwhelming when parts don't work as intended. Disco Elysium also doesn't feel properly optimized on a controller, it seems imprecise, and more often than not, you have to click the same icon multiple times before the character will start to investigate the point of interest. The need for your character to be in one exact location seems to be the major cause for this issue. At the end of the first 48, I want to know more about who I am and how I became this way. I want to make better choices and turn this life around. I want to find my badge and gun, and most importantly... I want to be the detective I know I can be and solve this murder. That's all for the Video Games Podcast this week. I hope you enjoyed it, and hopefully if you're considering playing It Takes Two or Disco Elysium The Final Cut, then this could help you make a more informed decision. Thank you as always for listening, and if you are new to the show and enjoy what you heard, then consider subscribing as it does help me grow. And as always, remember to be nice to your fellow gamer, and more importantly, be nice to your fellow human. 